Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, F9 revs its engines and goes a quarter mile at a time. Loki goes looking for an arc. And should the Transformers rise once again? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows, and if you can Please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, popculturecosmos.com, and everything else that we do out there in the Pop Culture Cosmos. It is sincerely appreciated. Well, it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. He is the Castle PCC on the Twitter and Instagram, you got to go ahead and check him out today at Castle PCC with a K. It is my good friend indeed who's been watching Netflix a little bit. It is Marcus De La Garza. And Marcus, unbeknownst to you, you are now an official member of the Einar Haraldson fan club, as am I, because Iceland's favorite actor, he was on our show on Monday for just a brief minute. We Thank him so much. He tried three times with me because of the connections, the internet gremlins out there, to try to get on the show with me. We finally got an interview on Monday, and I cannot thank him enough for taking the time and energy to go ahead on three occasions because it was late in the evening for him for doing it. Mm -hmm. I do appreciate his patience and persistence, and it has paid off because it is now our highest rated episode of 2021. Hey, 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 baby. All right. Well, I appreciate that so much. And I mean, thank you to both of you guys for the hard work and trying to get that interview nailed down. It's always frustrating when you're dealing with the internet gremlins, but I mean, sometimes you got to pay the toll. And unfortunately, it happens at the worst times all the time, right? Absolutely. And he is starting up his new website, EinarHeraldson.com. But you also want to go ahead and check him out today. Einar Haraldson is available right now on Instagram and also Facebook. So follow him today. He's got a great site. 
He is a up and coming actor at his age. In fact, it's so great to see someone in his, uh, I guess he's a little older than I am, but not too much older, but he's in, in my age bracket, so to speak, but he is thriving, not only doing several projects in his native Iceland, but he is coming to America next year to work on several projects here. Shout out to his agent, Steve Joyner, who hooked us up on the interview. Cannot thank him enough for taking the time to do so. And I look forward for seeing him on the big screen or television on all ton of great projects. And I wish him continued success. He is one of the good people out there that really deserves everything good that he can get. It's quite the story for him. I'm wishing him a lot of luck. It's going to be a lot of fun for him and to watch his career progress. But you did mention Netflix. I feel like I've been on a binge lately. Yes, and, you have, uh, according I, to what you've told me. Yeah. All right. So last night I watched Good on Paper, Eliza Schlesinger's new movie. Not directed by her. She got a director. She did a lot of the writing, and it's actually based on a true story. She hopped on a flight, met this guy, thought he was Mr. Wonderful, ended up dating him. Turns out he catfished her the whole time. From the get-go, you know, found... Spoilers! Yeah, well, I mean, this is a very known story for her fans, and I mean, the, it's part of the, the trailer for the movie. Yeah, I'm not ruining... Act. Yeah, I'm not ruining anything here. People know about this one. But yeah, it's it was a great movie. It's really interesting. She wove bits of stand-up into the movie itself, and it, it revolves around the content of the movie as well, and you get to see how it impacted her uh, in the moment. I hope you get a chance to watch it maybe this week, this weekend, whatever it is. It, it was a lot of fun. I did the trailer for it yesterday, actually, before you even spoke to me about it. So I got a chance to see the part before the catfishing. So it's going to be very interesting. I will definitely make an effort to check it out. So I'm looking forward to it. But yes, it's, it is good on paper. Is it really good on paper? The acting was pretty good in it. You know, when you hear about comedians ending up in movies, you always wonder about, you know, is the acting going to be subpar? But you know, she's done a, a great job with it, and uh, she's been in a lot of big roles over the last year or so. But, you know, it's it's really interesting to watch her career progress. I watched it from her first stand-up on Netflix to we've been to a couple tapings now. So I'm a little bit of a fanboy, fan, you know, fanboy for a lot Fan person. How about that fan these person. days? Yeah. There you yeah, go. Fan person. Fan but, yeah. entity. Yeah. So it's, it's been a lot be, of fun. you got to be correct with your labels these days, my friend. You do, you do. And I'm trying to think of the other big Netflix thing that we've been watching other than Shameless. We've been binging Shameless nonstop. I missed the train on that years ago, and I just love that show so far. Well, it's so funny because the number one show last week, Manifest, did not get picked up by Netflix. Funny how that is. I guess it wasn't enough, even though it was the number one show on there. So something that they thought as far as the costs outweighed the means there. So I guess that's it for Manifest. But yeah, Netflix, again, a lot of stuff around the corner, a lot of stuff that they're doing right now. Obviously, The Witcher, everybody's excited for season two there and all the great things that Netflix has to offer. The He-Man animated series, I did speak last week with Noe and Fine about. I'm not sold on it. I'm going to have to have a conversation with my good friend, award-winning director Rob McCallum on this because I, I do have some points of contention on it because i am a good enough fan that i think that i do or should share an opinion on it so i'd like to go ahead with sit him down when that series comes out which is being overseen by kevin smith and talk to him about that but netflix has a lot of good stuff it's fighting back against all these other entities that have a lot of stuff that they are producing so i'm looking forward to seeing what netflix has to offer in the coming months as well i just wish that geek week would have been at a different time or just better 
Yeah. <laughs> well, a little bit. I mean, Josh liked it overall. You thought it would it needed a lot of help. I'm not sure if it needed a lot of help. For me, it should have been condensed into one or two days. I think that those announcements could have been great over the course of one or two days. I just think it should have come at a different time, not on the same week as E3. They got overrun by a whole bunch of announcements, and I thought that was their undoing. A lot of people just missed out what they had to say, and that that's rare for Netflix, that you miss yeah. out what 200 million subscriber entity has to say. And then the last one I wanted to bring up on Netflix, man, it's the world's most amazing vacation rentals. We've been tracking that one last two or three days. It's weird to say that this is a really captivating show, but they do a great job of showing you the budget rental, the high tier, and then the unique. And sometimes the unique is the cheap end and sometimes the unique is out of the roof. So It's so weird how they pick and choose which shows that they deem successful and, and which ones they don't. Mm-hmm. I know they've talked about a dating show that has been so wildly crazy that They've already renewed it for two seasons and it's just really, it's just started getting out there on Netflix itself. So it's kind of weird how that shapes up and what they don't like or what they do like based on costs, based on people watching, based on ratings, based on the whole parameter. So it's interesting to see what Netflix and how they go ahead and judge what is a success and what is not for them. But yes, definitely want to go ahead and check out Good on Paper. And if you want to go ahead and check out what, Mr. Castle PCC, Marcus de la Garza is watching on Netflix. He might tell you at Castle PCC on Twitter and the Instagram indeed. But my friend, it's going to be a great show. We've got, we've got a lot of good stuff on tap, including family, family, family. I live my life (laughs) a quarter mile at a time. Do you? Well, F9 is here for you to go ahead and drive more than a quarter mile down to the box office to check that movie out. It is now available in the US and the UK. We're catching up with Worldwide here. So we're going to talk about that coming up here in a bit. Loki episode three, was it good? Was it not so good? We are going to drop a little bit of spoilers on that because I checked it out and I think Marcus has too. So we're going to give that a little talk-see here in a couple minutes. Transformers. Rise of the Beasts, that's the new name for the new Transformers. But are we excited about a return to the big screen for another rendition of Transformers? We'll talk about that coming up on the show as well. Star Wars The Bad Batch came out with a mid-season look. I know Shang-Chi is heavily rumored to have another sneak preview, but that will not be something we can go ahead and talk about in today's show because it's going to appear right after our taping ends. Gosh darn it. But Star Wars The Bad Batch is coming out with this mid-season look. We'll talk about if you can get excited about Star Wars The Bad Batch coming up later in the program. Dungeons & Dragons Dark Alliance, this co-op video game appeared this week for everything on consoles and PC. Is it something you should get into? Is it something D&D fans are excited about? We'll talk about that coming up on the program as well. But my friend, before we hit the break, because we're going to spend lots of time talking about family, 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 family. But I wanted to ask you this, my friend. Okay, going back to Netflix. Are you excited still about what's to offer each and every week in Netflix? Because again, they are the masters of throwing everything out there. You've got Amazon Prime about ready to throw out its $200 million, The Tomorrow War. And that's something we're going to be talking about next week is The Tomorrow War. 
which is a huge, huge expensive project for them to go ahead and debut. Talk about Infinite and what they're offering now at Paramount Plus. We'll talk about Apple Plus, and they started to go ahead and invest finally into some money, into some shows, into some series, into some movies. They're finally starting to realize, hey, we got all this cash. Maybe we should start spending it. They're starting to wake up as well. So with all this stuff going on, and we've talked about it on Monday's show, Star Trek Picard coming to Paramount Plus and all that. They're doing a lot of restructuring there at Paramount Plus so they could better accommodate all their viewers that they hopefully think that they will get over the next few months and years. I want to hear your thoughts. Is it still a great time to be a member of Netflix? I absolutely think it is. They've done a good job of over the last, I don't know, I'd I call it the last three or four months of reintroducing shows or just introducing new shows and movies. We really were all captivated at the beginning of the pandemic with Tiger King and everything else that was going on on Netflix at the time. And, you know, we all shamelessly watched it. And then Netflix entered this weird lull period where people just weren't as enthused as they had been at the beginning of the pandemic. You know, some of us straight into Paramount Plus, some of us straight into Discovery Plus when that came out. But I do think, and I, I would argue this for a while, that I think Netflix is still a good bargain for its 200 million subscriber base. You can find all the content in the world that you want. Yes, they're taking things down monthly, but they're adding so many things monthly. We've got two new big series that I know, or, or at least one big series that's coming out, Naomi Osaka. I think that's more of a docu-series. That's so crazy. She's not even 25 and she's already getting a docuseries, but she's, right, like, such, she's such a great tennis player. And obviously with everything that's going on in her life, especially in regards to mental health, yep, I think uh, it does need to be brought up. They've got another movie that's coming up, Resort to Love, that's July 29th. Christina Milian and Jay Farrow. I'm a huge Jay Farrow fan. I love his comedy, but I, and I mean, you can't mention his comedy without saying his impression game is top of the line. So, you know, I'm looking forward to some of the releases that are coming out next month. And I think you do have these ebbs and flows, whether you're on Netflix, Amazon Prime, Discovery Plus, Paramount, whatever it is. I always end up back at Netflix, though. They well, have it, everything it will I want. soon be Discovery Plus slash HBO Max. So I'm looking forward to that day. Me um, too. When, that's when, a lot of content that's about to be in our hands, dude. <laughs> well, it's supposed to be. At what cost, though? We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm going to let it materialize, and then we'll share our thoughts from there here on the show. But again, my friend, it is, I guess, a pretty good time to be a Netflix. I still wait for Cobra Kai and some of the other things that they are producing. This He-Man with Kevin Smith overseeing a new He-Man animated series. It's not that I don't want it on the air. I would love to see a reimagining or a continuation, spiritual continuation of the series. I'm just, I've got some concerns about it. That's all, that's all I want to say. But I didn't get to really share or, or talk about it too much with Noah. He was very excited about that happening. But there's some underlying things I wanted to go well, ahead and I share. I mean, what's on your mind there, Gerald? Well... Mark Hamill is one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. As far as Hands the, down. Luke, Scott, yeah. Luke Skywalker, greatest voice actors. But I know I'm going to get a lot of controversy and feedback for saying this, but Alan Oppenheimer is the voice of Skeletor, should be the voice of Skeletor. If you, everybody who saw my favorite Geico commercial ever a couple years ago, catch you on the flip, suckers. <laughs> you know, he does that voice better than everybody else and then that you see the trailer voice, and know. again mark hamill who nobody should ever do the joker again on an animated series without you know him doing it 
And he's done so many other great voices over the years. And he's so talented. And he literally is one of the best ever to do it. And it's not that he does a bad Skeletor. It's just when you have Alan Oppenheimer in the cast, who is the regular voice after, he's in the cast. He's playing the role of of one of the other voices that he did for the series. But he's not playing Skeletor. And he's the iconic voice of Skeletor. I just don't, it's like, okay, yes, I have this great celebrity voice. I have this great celebrity that I can get if I'm Kevin Smith. I'm, I, I'm just got a fan, you know, in his case, it is a fanboy, fan person, fan entity. I'm going to go fanboy over Mark Hamill and get him on the show. Yeah. I'm not sure if that was the wisest thing to do because, again, he sounds like a great Skeletor, but he's just not Alan Oppenheimer. I mean, as soon as he started speaking and you don't hear, I'm going to get you, He-Man, <laughs> yeah. in the same level that he does it. I would love for Alan Oppenheimer at the end of that trailer to go ahead and say, catch you on the flip, suckers, one more time, just because yeah. it was such a great Geico commercial. At best, Geico commercial. We're going to have to get you to do your Skeletor impression a few more times through over the next you know few months. Maybe. Yeah, maybe that's the outro for our, our episodes now is just the vo- you know, no, your, your no. laugh there. Come on. Dear come on. God, that was pretty good. Dear, that was, dear that was, God. No, we'll, we'll that was pretty see. good, man. We'll see. Okay. Right. You know, if the pay is good enough. But anyways, again, Mark Hamill is truly one of the most remarkable voice actors that are out there. But again, nobody does Skeletor like Alan Oppenheimer. No, just, no. Nobody does. But overall, Netflix fans out there should be happy that there's a lot on the way. What are your thoughts on being a Netflix subscriber? Are you enjoying the platform as it is right now, but do you think you need more? Or are you just happy with what you got right now from Netflix? And are you excited for what's coming up to the big entity on campus? That is Netflix. So share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. I know you've been hearing about Manscaped on all those other programs and podcasts. Well, Manscaped and the Coupets Podcast Network are working together on something fantastic. And oh my goodness, have we got a deal for you. Manscaped.com has just released their wireless, waterproof, and rechargeable Lawnmower 4.0, which offers their trademark skin-safe replaceable blades that gets you the ultra-close shave exactly where you need it. Head on over to manscaped.com and choose from the huge list of men's grooming and lifestyle products, including the ultra-popular Lawnmower 4.0 Body Groomer, and get 20% off at Manscaped, plus free shipping with the promo code FASTBREAK at manscaped.com. That's right, just type in FASTBREAK, all one word at checkout, at Manscaped, and get ready to start looking good this summer from your friends at Manscaped, the Hoopheads Podcast Network, and the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. My friend, there's still much more to talk about on today's program, and that is family, family, family. <laughs> Marcus, do you live your life a quarter mile at a time? Family, family, family. I do. I do. I, I choose to live my life a quarter mile at a time, Gerald. You know? Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Because F9 is finally hitting the big screen here in the United States and the UK. <laughs> I mean, a month. They, in this case, they had to delay it because of what's gone with the pandemic. And people are just slowly starting to get back to theaters. And they really wanted to gauge it out. So I understand why there was a, you know, literally over a month mm-hmm. uh, between the time it debuted in China to the time it's, it's debuted here. 
but it is F9. I know a lot of people are excited to go ahead and see it. The box office the past couple of weeks have been somewhat of a downer, but I think that people need right now more than ever event films to get back in the theater. I know A Quiet Place Part 2, I think they perceived, a lot of people perceived as an event film they needed to rush back into. The Conjuring 3 horror fans always seemed, I guess, according to what I, we saw that first week, seemed to perceive it as an event film that they had to see. Now, again, In the Heights didn't bring it in with all the controversy and all the problems there. And unfortunately, the great reception didn't mean anything as far as the box office is concerned. And then you also had this past weekend, The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, which I guess was just at expectations, but it didn't do any better than the In the Heights did. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend. F9 is really going to be a litmus test going forward for this summer. I think if people are not going out into the theaters to go catch F9, I guess the box office could be really in some trouble because that means you've got Black Widow behind it and you've got several other high-profile movies coming in the next two to three months that they're going to be a lot more nervous if F9 doesn't score well this weekend. Yeah, it's really interesting to look at kind of the numbers that are going to be coming out of this weekend and see how it's going to affect the rest of the industry here. I mean, you said it best, Gerald. We've got Black Widow coming up right after this. I think if F9 really flops, it's going to hurt badly for Black Widow too. But I'm actually pretty confident F9 is not going to flop domestically here in the US. I've been talking to people at work, you know, and then just my friends around town and we are trying to organize like a, a night at the drive-in to go watch it because uh, our drive-in is going to be showing it here in Florida. And I'm really looking forward to the chance. Are you going to be doing some street racing afterwards? I, I mean, I'd love to, but I, I drive an F-150, so you can't really street race an F-150. Who says you can't? It does have a turbo. It's got the EcoBoost turbos in it, man. Like maybe we could do it. Who says you can't? You just won't win. You know, if you don't believe in yourself, it'll never happen. But Family, um, family, family. <laughs> Regardless, dude, I'm really looking forward to watching this movie. And I think it's there's enough buzz around it right now. There's enough people talking about it that it's going to be a decent time. Vox actually had an article on it about, you know, is it the best blockbuster ever? No, absolutely perfect is actually the title. You bet. So, uh, I mean, just reading through it. That I book, heard a lot of positive reviews already for it. Yeah, I mean, people are I mean, really Curtis enjoying got it. got to see it over a month ago. Right. And like, that's the wild part. All right. Years past, Gerald, we would have seen this movie by now because streamers would have had this everywhere. Right. Yeah. And I just, I don't feel like that people have done that as much, especially with this international release. You can get it out there right now. I know you can get it out there, but it, it feels like this time last year, people would have just been like, oh, you can get you the Here's cell phone copy, version you know? that was taped somewhere in the far East where it's like, you know, shell shaky has some dude or some family that's walking right in front of you as they're finding their seat with the popcorn already in hand. You no, know, come on, that, you, really? yeah, that version is, is already available. I'll tell you that right there. Yeah. But I mean like uh, with a mono I, sound, there you go. Oh God. Yeah. That's, that's the worst part. You only get sound on the left ear, yeah. not the right ear. <laughs> Something like that. You can find that version already. If you really want to go ahead and watch. Right. But it used to be in the years past, it'd be so prevalent. Like you, you and I would have probably already seen the movie by now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have not made that commitment. And I don't know if it's just a little bit of nostalgia trying to get back to the box office and doing, do something big like this. But I'm very excited to go have this experience and watch F9. It's weird to say that because I haven't really enjoyed any of the last few movies. But, you know, at the end of the day, 
it feels like this is a rallying point of nostalgia for me, and I'm willing to go have this experience of the drive-in and show everybody this is going to be a great time. And this is a movie that, when it originally was made and when it was originally going to be released, was expected to garner worldwide probably... I'm, I'm assuming Universal was targeting a right around maybe the high ones or right around $2 billion. The last one was, to, I think, right around $1.5 billion, if memory serves me correct, because they did so tremendous overseas. This is a film series like Transformers was, which we'll be talking about later in the show. Yeah. Like Transformers was built for the overseas marketplace. And anything they could get from here domestically was like icing on top of the cake. And it was just really something that they could really count on overseas following that was just second to none. It would beat Star Wars. It would even beat the Avengers outside of Avengers Endgame because it really was going to be something that overseas was going to be something that maybe Avatar... I mean, there's just a very small amount of movies that produced by Hollywood that do so well or connect so well with a worldwide audience than Fast and Furious. But these days have changed. And with the pandemic, the best that they're going to do maybe is seven, 800 million if they're lucky. And that's going to be a big win for Universal if that's the case. But I, I do. They're already at 300 million worldwide with the international release, which is very low to me because I, and I, I think you said it just a few minutes ago, they would have been blowing the stuff out of the water in the international community. Yeah. Look, I think that we'll see another three, 400 million domestically with the F9 movie, you know, coming out and it's not going to be obviously not going to be this weekend, but it's going to be trickling in over time. This is the only big action movie other than transformers that we're going to see for a while you, you disagree uh, huh? i did the only thing i'm going to tell you i give you an idea right now of the box office here in the u.s and give everybody out there an, an idea of what's going on a quiet place part two is i think the domestic leader here in the u.s for 2021 that went over a hundred million dollars i think two weeks ago and then last week kong versus godzilla crawled over the hundred million mark domestically so to give you an idea, Marcus, it has to do 120, 130 million to be number one here in the U.S. So that's how low the bar is. That's what the, the bar is set out right now for domestically here in the United States, to give everybody an idea. U.K., the numbers are proportionately similar, I think, in that sense. I think the James Bond film, when it comes out later this year, it's not going to come out at the same level in the U.K., that it was once expected to. But if it makes a proportionate amount, I think they'll be happy with that movie. Same thing goes for Black Widow. Same thing goes for Dune, Matrix 4. Same thing goes for all these other movies that had such high profiles on a normal year. I think the expectations have to be tempered and proportionate, especially if they're a day and date. And uh, you know, a lot of way, the ways that they're going to have to make it up is through there. But in the case of F9. F9 is not day and date, though. F9 is not day and date. That well, is someday on Peacock, but it's so not wait. going right now. So if, let's say, F9 goes to 100, 125 million, 150 million, it will regain that top spot in the US. But again, that's nothing compared to what it would have done, let's say, in the summer of 2019. I don't disagree there. It's it would have done a lot better 2019 and even January 2020. Let's let's just call it what it is. Yeah. You could have released this a month before pandemic. People would have been losing their minds and wouldn't have known at the time. But like it would have been a big box office hit, I think. Yeah. But 
But I want no, to finish off our conversation with F9 on this, my friend, the story. <laughs> Josh said it best. You don't go to watch a Fast and Furious movie for the story. You go watch for the action and the cars and for the, the whole popcorn experience. I think that's the best way to describe it. Yep. And I want to hear your thoughts on this because the story at times has been incomprehensible. Things that happened in a different timeline or a different part of the timeline or a different movie, they have to change into a different part of the Fast and Furious timeline. Obviously, Han coming back seemingly from the jaws of death, literally, <laughs> from a guy. Literally, literally. By a guy who was a star of an offshoot, Hobbs and Shaw. So you got Jason Statham, who supposedly killed him. So what happens with that dynamic? You know, it just, it, okay, this series story does not matter at all. Uh, it just never, it's it all never about, has been. It's all about the action, all <laughs> about what can they do next? How crazy can this series get? Vin Diesel was talking about how John Cena was sent to him by the late Paul Walker for this movie because he was anxious about who they were going to cast to be Dom's brother in the movie because we have 20 years of canon for the yeah. Fast and Furious universe, man. It's interesting to see how he really took to it because he was very concerned it was just going to get kind of poo-pooed by the Fast and Furious audience. And it's just funny to see that, you know, like he's on board for it. So maybe the rest of us might give it a shot. But let's be honest, we're not here for a good storyline. We're just here to watch things blow up and cars go fast. Absolutely. I'm hoping that one day The Rock and Vin Diesel can mend their fences enough. I'm assuming that they will at some point because Hobbs and Shaw, that might be a little bit of side series on their own as far as movies are concerned. We've talked about before where the series will go after its final two movies coming up because number 10 will be split up into two parts. I'm assuming that The Rock and Vin Diesel hopefully will get together by that point so that fans can go ahead and fully appreciate that. But I think there's a lot more left to give for the Fast and Furious franchise because Peacock is going to want. I'm going to tell you this, man. It's I'm in Vegas. It's easy money if you put money down right now on a Fast and Furious series type spinoff. I'm assuming at some point they got to do it. That's one of their biggest IPs at Universal. It's right there. It's looking at you. So Vin Diesel, executive producing a TV series, is something now. It's no longer a thing where, oh, my gosh, a TV series. I'm a movie star. Why do I need a deal to a TV series? He doesn't have to star in it, but definitely no. could have it continue in some form or fashion. Because series now on all these streaming outlets is something now to be revered upon. So a yep. lot of people are, are really into that. So I see a future for Fast and Furious beyond this film and beyond the two films that would be coming up for the part 10, numbers one and two. So we'll talk about that as they come up. Of course, right here on the show. Another Hobbs and Shaw has got to be on the way. Could be another spinoff and movie spinoff like that. This series is never going to. There's going to be cars exploding when you and I are in the grave. I'm going to tell you right now. But where can they go from here? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Coming up after the break, we're going to be talking about a lot more great things, including Loki, Episode 3, Transformers. Hmm, there's a rise there going on. We'll talk about that. Star Wars A Bad Batch comes back for its half season. And D&D Dark Alliance. Is it worth your time if you're a D&D fan out there? We'll share our thoughts right after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse. If you want to see 
the coolest action figure collections out there, the stuff that you played with as a kid. Hear from industry insiders that made the toys that really, truly defined who we are. And you got to check out season one of Action Figure Adventure. Check out Action Figure Adventure now, exclusively at Big Bad Toy Store. You'll get 10 episodes of awesome action figure fun. I guarantee if you grew up playing toys, you will love Action Figure Adventure. And we're back with the show. It's Gerald Glassford, along with my good friend, Mr. Castle PCC, with a K on the Twitter and Instagram, Mr. Marcus De La Garza, who wants me to go out through the rest of the show with nothing but Skeletor laughs. <laughs> no, no, I just want I want our outro. Like you, you say your your goodbye, and then maybe just a little. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe once for you, my friend. We'll just see. once, we'll just see. once. I mean, like for the for the deep cut fans, they'll enjoy uh, that. I, you know. All right, all right. Fair enough, fair enough. But it is Loki episode three debuted this week on Disney Plus, and it is something I think as taken off and i was hoping this after the first two episodes that we would go into deeper on the character loki but we'd also get more into the storytelling and to me i think they hit a really nice note i know that episode three is all over the place people love it people Mm -hmm. are are okay on it i really enjoyed this this episode we are going into spoilers on it so if you want to go ahead and tune down a little bit you didn't catch it already sorry about that we're going to go into spoilers here for the next few minutes but your thoughts initially on Loki episode nine, as we left Loki in episode two, Loki and Lady Loki, they went through the gate and ended up in a really big catastrophe, a planet that's about ready to be destroyed by another planet. It's about big planetary yeah. collision. And they're on a search for the only way escape out because their way, unfortunately, their battery's dead and actually ended up breaking halfway through the episode. So... Loki did a boo-boo on that one. But I want to hear your thoughts. To me, it was a lot more about those two connecting on a personal level and also the world building, pardon the pun, around it starting to really shape up. I know a lot of people still, again, it's all over the place on the thoughts on it, but I really think this is going to work out to be a good series. I know other people have been mentioning Doctor Who. I've been mentioning Terry Gilliam. I've been mentioning The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I know they touched on a lot of things, but I do want to mention that there was a very important admission by Loki and also Lady Loki Lady as Loki, well. Yeah. So yeah, your thoughts on this latest episode of Loki. I found it really enjoyable, the best so far in the series and one of the best Marvel television episodes I have seen this year. Honestly, Gerald, I I think that this episode this week was outstanding. We do touch on a lot of deep lore when it comes to the storyline for Lady Loki. I don't know. I I just found this very interesting that we were diving deep into, you know, some of the more recent comic books and then, you know, diving deep on just the Loki storyline in general. You know, we did have a very big moment there with the Lokis. Let's just call them that. The Lokis admitting that they're both interested in both men and women. And that's a huge call out for Disney+. Plus. I feel like that's something that maybe five years ago, they wouldn't have talked about in a show like this. And so I do see this as a very progressive movement for Disney. And I think it's the best thing that could be happening right now. And especially with such an outstanding episode, I feel like I I agree with you. We did a great job of setting the stage in in episode one. I disagree with you in in the sense that you thought it was a little bit slow. I thought it moved a little bit at a slower pace. It, It did have that feel, again, following a lot of the exposition wise it needed to go ahead and do a lot of heavy work exposition and that's the case the pace slows down the chemistry between 
Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson, I mean, that was basically a lot of the series is propelled forward by them just sitting at a lunch table. And again, it's so tremendous, the work between those two, but the pace itself slows down because of it. So it's all Tom Hiddleston and Sophia DiMartino. She did a really solid job on her own. She was tremendous, I think, throughout the episode. And she's so guarded because of her past is even darker than the Lokis that we know that there's just so much going on with her that you want to find out about. And she opens up a little bit to him because we know a lot about his backstory already, but when she starts to open up, that made this episode even better. Plus you still get to see sides of Loki. You didn't actually see before, you you know, you only saw Loki in a certain light on most occasions and to see him in this episode open up even more was truly outstanding. The production values were a lot higher. I mean, they had to build a lot more sets. They had to do a lot more green screening. They had to do a lot more things yep. as far as working with things that aren't there, that they had to go ahead and believe that they are. You have to believe that the planet is actually on its edge you know, of being destroyed, and right, they do a good right. job of, of building to that. And it just seems to me that they're really heading in towards a better place. But it does feel to me that you have to have a lot of that feel for british sci-fi i think is it to me it just has that feeling of all those british sci-fis all wrapped up into one it's funny you mentioned that series director kate heron you know she was named as like the 30 under 30 or something for names to watch when it came to entertainment in, in the uk and i think that just the way that you called that out right there speaks a lot to maybe her experience i know she's been very adept at you know jumping into more documentary style stuff and then also jumping into you know, more of the fantastical things. I'm very interested in that perspective, though. I mean, it's it's funny to think that, yeah, you do have to play a little bit more in the imagination side and know that they're giving you the base here. And it's it's up to you to construct this entire vision in your head alongside the show and the visuals that the show is giving you. And I think they do a great job with that. It's a funny thing when you think back about it, or at least when I think back about it, I can see these sets when I'm thinking about specific scenes. And that's not something I can always do recall with certain shows. Ask and I. And Noah Ian Fine also said it as well in regards to Brazil. That's also a Terry Gilliam movie. That's one of his best. I mean, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Again, this is, has a very British sci-fi feel. It's a love letter to all the great British science fiction that has been put out there. Yeah, if people absolutely. are interested in this and really liking and digging it, hopefully they will go ahead and check out some of those previous efforts. You know, Hitchhiker's Guide, The Galaxy, Time Bandits, Brazil, Doctor Who, if you're into Doctor Who, all the great sci-fi from Great Britain that's out there. I'm hoping that they will get a taste of it now that they've seen what it is, you know, just got a little peek of it here in this show. I mean, again, this episode I think is by far the best. Yep. Uh, in fact, I, agree. I would, I would really, down. yeah, I gave the first two episodes a seven and I'm giving it like a 9.5 because I think it was really, really, really well done. And I think it's a really great love letter to British science fiction, this whole thing, it's a series so far, but I now have a great interest in what I want to see Loki doing and what I want to see him accomplish with Lady Loki. And just seemingly right now, as it ended with the arc that they were going to try and get off the planet with, because that was their escape route. That was their plan B in coming up after they destroyed their only way out that they thought at the time. They figured out a plan B to get on the arc that's leaving the planet. But unfortunately, that gets destroyed at the very end. So there's going to have to be another way they get themselves out of it. Obviously, there wouldn't 
be a series if they don't. But again, it's just it's taking you to a very good place, and I'm very happy to go ahead and see what's coming up next. That plot armor, though, I mean, it, it'll protect you for what at least another eight episodes. Yes, yes, but I, I see a future for this man, and I'm glad that they've already commissioned a season two. I know we talked about it on Monday with the Rick and Morty part of it, where a Rick and Morty writer is the head writer or the showrunner on this. And I can see that quirky humor getting in there as well. I mean, the time variance and the time things that they're doing, it's pardon the pun, the TVA and all that. Uh, It's just a great mixture. I think this is shaping up to be something I'm very interested in seeing. This was the wild card because we had WandaVision that came out. And then we had Captain America and the Winter Soldier come out after that. This, to me, was the wild card. It could be either really good or really not so good. And to me, I think they've really started to hit on all numbers, and I'm really liking where it's going to go next. I agree with you there, and I look forward to hearing what our audience has to say about the show. What do you have to say about the show? Please, we want to hear your thoughts on Loki as it heads into episode four. Episode three for us was a humdinger, as they say. It was really, really, really good for us. We really enjoyed where it's taking us as far as the Loki series, the closer look at Loki's, the character, and Lady Loki, the characters themselves, where they're headed, and their interaction. We know that at the end, since it's Loki, they'll probably stab each other in the back, either literally or figuratively at some point. You know that's going to happen. It's just a question of when, not if. But we want to hear your thoughts. Are you enjoying Loki now as much as we are? Please share your thoughts with us, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Thanks for checking out the PCC, you know, the Pop Culture Cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. Well, my friend, there's still much more to talk about before we head on out, but I do want to thank you for staying on with us. It is Marcus De La Garza, Mr. Castle PCC on the Twitter. The Transformers, Rise of the Beasts, and that has been announced as a new Transformers is on the way. So I want to hear your thoughts on Transformers Rise of the Beasts, a new entry. I mean, Transformers is a series that got off to a very hot start. It exceeded all expectations, became a domestic hit first, and then became a worldwide phenomenon. It then got a little bit tired here in the States, but still exceeded its expectations overseas. Not unlike what we're seeing with the Fast and Furious, but the Fast and Furious, I still think has more legs here in the US than Transformers, but I know they've not been critically good. I've never enjoyed the movies 100%. I've seen a few of them, but I've not really gotten into it. I know Bumblebee was a critical success, but a financial, eh, okay, didn't do that great. Speaking of John Cena, but I want to hear your thoughts on how this is developing for you and if you're ready to go ahead and see the Terror Cons, which is going to be the new 
villains in the series. My first thought when I was looking over kind of the storyline on Rise of the Beast, it feels like we're introducing a lot of new cons. Uh, we've got the Terror Cons, we've got Decepticons, we've got all the cons here. And I think the only con we're really doing here is conning me out of money at the box office. And it's terrible to say that, but like, man, I don't care about the Transformers storyline anymore. You know, when you look back at it, what was it? The last night? Yes. Meh. Yeah, I mean, like, meh, that, that's all it did for me. Bumblebee, I didn't even bother with at the time. I've gone back and watched parts of it, and I just, yes, it was a success, but, I mean, you, you've kind of lost the franchise on me there. It's, it's funny, because after Re Revenge of the Fallen, we, we got to, what was it, Dark of the Moon after that, and Dark of the Moon, I thought, was, it was decent. I really enjoyed it at the time, I remember, but it's funny to think that that's the last time I really enjoyed a Transformers movie. I'm not excited about it. I don't know if you're that excited about it. It sounds like you're not as excited as everybody else might be in the world. You know, it's it's funny you mentioned the uh, the F9 thing because in my head, these two franchises follow a pretty similar you know trajectory here at times where it did really well in the international community. It fell off domestically a little bit, but that international community is bringing them back to the forefront of the box office because, hey, these movie studios need money right now. And I'm just not a huge fan of the universe anymore, but the idea that rise of the beast is going to go back a little bit prior to the Michael Bay storylines. I'm on board with that, dude. It's, it's going to be fun to see what's going to happen with Bumblebee here and see just a little bit of the early storyline here, kind of jump back a little bit further than we did for Bumblebee itself. I think. So it is again, transformers rise of the beast. That's right. Transformers rise of the beast. The Terracons are going to wreak havoc as they say, or have been saying on Brooklyn. And <laughs> I know we, we've already seen many movies before wreak havoc on poor New York and the New York area because seemingly every single time, where do you want to go to go ahead and reach out for just complete destruction and mayhem? I guess seemingly in the movies, there's no better place to go than the New York area. So once again, we will be seeing a part of New York destroyed by the Terracons in Transformers Rise of the Beast. But for me, my friend, again, it's just something, it's been always a hard watch for me. It's something I've never really truly enjoyed. It's not even to me at the level of the Fast and Furious series. Because the Fast and Furious series, I just turn my brain off and I, I, I still enjoy it because of the fantastic stunts and, and all the crazy things that they do. And somebody's usually screaming as they're going ahead and they're flying all around. And so it's... It's kind of fun to see, but Transformers, it seems to me it's they've tried hard to emulate that. It's just way over the top stuff going on as well, but it just doesn't connect with me. And I don't know why. I just not something I really interested. I I I liked the cartoon series as a kid. It wasn't my yeah. favorite, but it just it was there and I watched it. But yeah, it just for some reason it's not connecting with me. The people that really should have been sold on this movie, are our generations, just don't care anymore. It's the younger generation that actually is keeping this afloat, I think, at, at this point in time. Yeah, and it's something I think a lot of people, again, overseas, I think it will do well. It's just here in the States, even it's if it was struggle, man. Yeah, even if there wasn't a pandemic, you would still have to say, mm, has there been enough time between Transformer movies to go ahead and say, you know what, kind of get a refresh on that? We'll wait and see how well it looks. You know, it could go ahead and become a success here in the domestic area, but we'll wait and see. I do think that it will find its niche overseas as it always does because this series seems to connect with the overseas audience and more power to them for enjoying the Transformers franchise. But 
It is Transformers Rise of the Beast that is coming to a theater near you in the not-too-distant future. So we'll keep you updated when that comes out, our thoughts, the reception of it, and the whole nine yards right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. My friend, there's a little bit more to talk about on today's show. Star Wars The Bad Batch, it had its halfway point sneak peek. And I know we talked about this before on the show, if this was a series that we were going to get into, it's now available on Disney Plus along with Luca. Yep. And I know coming off the great success of Captain America and the Winter Soldier, I know a lot of people discontinued their Disney Plus until Loki came out. So I know that there was a little bit of unplugged there. And I want to ask you this. I mean, everybody's talking about Loki and how well it's performing because Loki did have the highest debut so far on the network for a series. Star Wars The Bad Batch seems almost like an afterthought, which is a shame because it will always be known as a buffer between one Marvel series to another. I want to hear your thoughts on The Bad Batch. I know a lot of people are not excited for the rest of the series which is a shame because it comes off of great lineage with the Clone Wars, which was so highly appreciated and critically loved. All right. You might make a little bit of fun of me for this one. I'm going back to rewatch the Clone Wars right now, and I'm doing it in the order that you're supposed no, to watch I'm them. I'm trying to. I'm trying to as well. My, my daughter and I have made a commitment to try to get through the Clone Wars as well. Funny, I, I've watched bits and pieces here and there when we've been at home at Christmas, you know, hanging out in Michigan with Jamie's family. But we're going back right now and trying to get through everything. We're about halfway through the first season right now. And I'm really enjoying it. And I've actually put Bad Batch off until I can consume all of the Clone Wars one more time. And for me, I mean, I know Bad Batch isn't going anywhere. And the worst part about this is I'm doing it a disservice by not watching it in the moment. But I just refuse to jump ahead right now. We talked about it a few weeks ago. I've watched the first episode and I had to put it away just because I didn't want to ruin anything for myself. And it's stupid to think that I I know because we know most of the storylines and we've read a lot of the message boards and whatnot. I do want to go back though. And I am going back and we're, we're really enjoying it so far. If you're viewing them in canonical order at that point, the movie was outstanding. It did get a little bit long towards the second half. I've really enjoyed going back to do that. I don't know about you. Star Wars, a bad batch though. I think we're going to end up in a situation where, they may not get but two seasons, and that might be it, unless you see a lot of people jump on board. I just don't see a lot of growth for it. it. That's the problem. It's just not a crew that seems to be connectable with a large audience. Maybe the Star Wars hardcores out of there, the Clone Wars fans can connect with it. But for a general audience, I'm not sure if they're really connecting with Star Wars The Bad Batch. I mean, it's well done. It's very solid. It's not like it's bad. It's not like it's uh, unattractive. It's it's just something that it's there. And with so many other things that people need to watch out there, so many other things that people are watching out there, it's really hard to say, you know what, I'm going to commit to the Bad Batch. It's just something that, again, if you're committing only a couple series or a couple things of your time on Disney+, Plus, then you go ahead and Netflix, you go to Hulu, you go to Apple+, Plus, or however many different streaming things that you got, The Bad Batch doesn't seem to be at the top of many people's lists. Nor should it. But I mean, like, just watch all the other things you're trying to watch and get to Bad Batch when you have time. I do think this is something that's important to watch. But at the end of the day, I think Rise of Skywalker might have turned a few people off the franchise and maybe scared them away for a little bit longer than is necessary. Or in the case of Josh, on one of our best promos ever, it's something that you don't even remember at all. (laughs) Still makes them laugh. Still makes them laugh. 
But once it again, does. it is Star Wars The Bad Batch. It is a show that's currently out. The rest of its season is going to be in the coming weeks right there on Disney+. Plus. We're looking for your thoughts. Is this a series that you're connecting with? Because, again, it's not like we're trying to fault it in any ways. It's just something that we're really just haven't been able to get a hold of because maybe we don't have the highest of affinities for The Clone Wars and its sister show that's right here, The Bad Batch. But we want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, yes, it is Einar Haraldson, my friend. I know you just asked me a question. Einar Haraldson, H-A-R-A-L-D-S-S-O-N. That's on IMDb. You can see all the projects he's working on right now. And he's worked on a few in his native Iceland. We want to thank him again for appearing on our Monday show. Again, it is our highest rated episode of the year. I want to go ahead and thank him for his help and persistence on that. I'm assuming he spread the word out there, which is a correlation to that. So we cannot thank him enough for appearing on the show. But yes, we are now officially part of the Einar Haraldson fan club, and we are truly proud of it. So yes, I think Marcus has found it. So I think he's going to go ahead and check up on his biography. Again, his work really is in the last couple of years. And especially during the pandemic, he's been able to put out some stuff. And for an actor, that's really been something if you're able to go ahead and work consistently during this period of time. So I'm really thankful that I got a chance to speak to him and just wishing him continued success. But before I head on out, my friend, it is Dungeons & Dragons Dark Alliance. It is not a new role-playing edition. Yeah. It's not a new side story in the tabletop RPG. It is actually a video game that came out earlier this week. It is a four-player co-op adventure game that came out, Hack and Slash, with a little bit of Dark Souls moved in there. It's nothing really truly original that was brought in there, but it's based off the Forgotten Realms part of the D&D lore, which a lot of people were excited upon. Now, yep. me... I love hack and slash games. I love co-op games. I love the fact that some D&D games have really worked when they strayed away from just straight trying to transfer that pen and paper onto the actual video game universe. I like the fact that when they, they said, you know what, we're not going to go ahead and be 100% on that. We're going to go ahead and do something a little bit different. There were a couple D&D games in the mid-2000s area that were available on the original Xbox, PlayStation 2 in that PlayStation 3 era that were really, really fun to play. In fact, my wife and I bonded over one of those games back in the day on a four-player co-op, which was really, truly fun. Really? Didn't have the greatest graphics in the world, but yes, it was just, you know, you go, you know, kill people right and left. Oh, I see. Hack and slash people. Right, well, that didn't sound any better. But it's like it's like Dynasty Warriors on steroids. Basically. Yeah, something like that. You just okay. go ahead and, and off your enemies one after another. And that was a truly a lot of fun for me to go ahead and play at the time. This looks really good. It seems to have some decent gameplay, but the reviews out there are very mixed. There's not a compelling storyline. It seems to have all those things that are in place to, to have a great game, but there seems to be something missing. And I think it's a lot of repetition from what I'm hearing, a lot of the same gameplay over and over and over. Character-based models are somewhat similar every level that you go. The levels themselves look great, but unfortunately what you do with it while you're in it is not that great. And I think that's the problem that's now troubling Dungeons & Dragons Dark Alliance. So this might surprise people. I actually have a go-to when it comes to some of the more 
nerdy games. And I reached out to my go-to tonight and said, hey, you know, Justin, what's your feeling on this? Because as it stands, I would love to play this, but I also am not deep in the D&D world. And this man came back to me and said, it's basically Dungeons and Dragons without bogging you down with the story and the character development. Hence, I'm probably out. So, I mean, that's coming from somebody who's a very, very, very big D&D nerd, loves playing the game. It sounds like they tried to commercialize it. And in doing so, they didn't connect well with a gamer audience. And in doing so, might alienate itself from a D&D audience. Yeah, and I mean, it's unfortunate that they did that. You know, we've seen D&D get more and more commercialization over the last few years, especially with its popularity in Stranger Things. I feel like we saw a resurgence in people getting together to play, man. And it feels like we're capitalizing on this right now and, and really focusing on that money to pay for this right now. It looks really good, man. It's got nice graphics, great detail to it. Again, I know, but if different it scenery, have, but but if it doesn't have that storyline, what's the use? You're just you're just sitting there playing another hack and slash. Might as well pick up Dynasty Warriors at that point. I guess you're saying it's all style and no substance. Yeah, I mean, and which believe me, I will play a game for the beauty in and of itself. But if we're doing that for just a hack and slash, give me something with a decent storyline to go with it. I mean, if you're wanting a hack and slash. The multiplayer game, Chivalry 2, I cannot speak higher of it. I've been playing it still, even after I reviewed it and gave it an 8.5 out of 10. It is one of the best games out for 2021, especially if you're into multiplayer games. It's a lot of fun to see what you can do and see what havoc you can create. I mean, it just seems to be a much better experience than what a lot of people are dealing with right now with Dungeons & Dragons Dark Alliance, and it's $20 less on the retail value, so... I think a lot of people might be choosing that if they really want to go ahead and just get that medieval lore out there if you want to go ahead and check out Chivalry 2. But D&D, Dark Alliance, again, it seems to look great. It seems to have a nice voice cast. It seems to showcase its graphics very well. It seems to have all these great things. It seems to have a fluid fighting style. But the thing is, what you do in it and who you face off against it seems to be very limited and the story it tells doesn't seem to be great as well from what we're seeing on most of the reviews so hopefully we'll get a chance to play it at some point in time and if we tell you otherwise or if we decide that somehow D dark alliance is worth your money and your time we'll let you know right here at the pop culture cosmos but beware take a look at a lot of the videos take a look at a lot of the reviews and then judge for yourself whether or not you want to invest 60 dollars in D dark alliance I agree with you there, Gerald. And I do want to say, I, I know that I kind of put the harsh words on it. So everybody go do your own research, man. Just enjoy it. If that's your scene, get into the game and play. It's, it is beautiful. Don't get me wrong. So I'm taking Justin's word for it. If, I, if I'm going to be playing something like this, I want a little bit of story there. Absolutely. So you heard from Marcus and you heard from me, but we want to hear your thoughts. Is D&D Dark Alliance a game you're going to get and play in the not too distant future? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. We got to talk about everything from (laughs) He-Man to F9, family, family, family. I live my life a quarter mile at a time to everything else in between. Any last thoughts on the way out? Just reiterating what we talked about earlier. Good on paper. Great movie great acting and just good storyline it was a lot of fun world's most amazing vacation rentals another fun one to watch it's like 25 minutes if you need just a filler last thing i want to say though is one you should really pay attention to really 
dive deep on the storyline. High on the Hog, it tells the story of how African-Americans have shaped our food culture. And it's really looking back towards the actual African portion of this and seeing how okra is not native to the United States. I did not know that. I learned that watching this documentary, but really great documentary there. High on the Hog. You know, I can't talk good enough about all three of those titles. And you can find them all on Netflix, correct? Yes, you can. I'm the Netflix fan person this week, Gerald. You know, it's a person, fan entity. Yes. You can't say fanboy because you got to go ahead and make sure it's the right word. Fan person. Yes. I'm the fan person this week. Fan person indeed. But for Marcus de la Garza, this is Gerald Glassman. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you asked for it, Marcus. You got it. I did. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Dr. Geek here with a shout out to all the scientists who worked tirelessly to bring a COVID-19 vaccine into reality. (laughs) Let's face it, creating something of this magnitude is a miracle worthy of Dr. McCoy himself. And now, Dr. Geek needs you to do your part. Remember, each shot is one small step back to normal, one giant leap to putting the pandemic behind us. We can do this. For more information, visit vaccines.gov to find your nearest provider. Hey, Adam Thomas. Yes, Thomas Mariani. You know how there are podcasts about bad movies? Yeah. And also podcasts about good movies? Yeah. Well, what if a podcast could cover both? What? Listen to Double Edge Double Bill, where a random selected yin and yang of a double feature is picked and then picked apart. Now, who came up with this wacky idea? Adam, we did. That's our show. I'm learning something new every day. Listen to us on the ESO Network and wherever podcasts are available. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.